Well, again, I want to welcome those of you that are here, and I want to welcome those that are joining us online, that are watching over the, the live feed this morning. Uh, hopefully, I know they were having a little bit of issue maybe with some sound back there earlier, but uh, hopefully they have that all taken care of. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and while you're finding that this morning, I just want to remind you that uh, we, uh, I, I miss the fact that we right now uh, don't have a designated time in our services because of COVID to receive our tithes and offerings. I, I miss that uh, because that is truly a form of worship. That's a, a part of worship is coming together. Uh, bringing the ties to the storehouse that the, the Bible speaks to. Uh, but right now we're trying to take every precaution uh, that we can to prevent passing germs from one another. Uh, the reason Daniel and Amanda weren't here to receive the gifts from our church today is because their families are, are currently in quarantine. And so we want to be praying for them. But uh, Passing the plate is no longer a designated part of our worship as of right now, uh, but we do want to encourage you to continue to remember to give of your tithes and offerings because it is an important part of worship. And there are baskets at the back of the sanctuary uh, each and every week that you can drop your tithes and offerings in, either coming in or, or going out. We're, we're blessed to be a blessing. And you guys are a huge blessing to this ministry, to this church, and what God has called us to do here uh, in our community. Uh, and speaking of blessings, those that were here last week, wasn't it a, a great blessing to have uh, Dr. Keith Newman, the president of Southern Nazarene University, with us last week? Man, he is such an incredible guy. He brought a powerful message on trusting God. Uh, we had a chance to uh, spend time with him uh, Sunday afternoon. He came and had lunch. He enjoyed some of Lynette's great home cooking. We had lunch together and spent the afternoon together and then a great time again of celebrating Hunter's ordination last Sunday night. Uh, just a special time. Uh, one other thing before we get to our text, a reminder, this Wednesday night, our kids, our teens, and our adults are all going to be gathering in here in the sanctuary. Uh, we're going to be designating Wednesday night as Operation Christmas Child Night. We're going to be teaching you more about Operation Christmas Child, along with packing some shoe boxes. Our goal for our church is 425 shoe boxes. Uh, to be packed and returned. So we're going to be working on some of those Wednesday night. Our kids are going to be a part of that. But just sharing with you, uh, you know, what Operation Christmas Child is all about. It's not just the shoebox, but with every shoebox, the gospel is pre presented uh, in a way they call the greatest journey. A little book, uh, a message is shared with every shoebox that's handed out. And uh, in, in the first 10 years of The Greatest Journey being presented, over 11 million people received the gospel of Christ for the very first time, and 8 million people accepted Christ. Uh, the shoebox isn't just about a gift to a kid. It's about the gift of life to a kid and to a family. 
And so there's so much more to it than just the toys that are in the box. And so we're going to talk about that Wednesday night. We're going to pack some boxes and we're going to pray over some boxes. And so uh, we encourage you to come. Our ladies are going to be uh, finishing up their Bible study in the Family Life Center, their final study uh, in the study that they're doing. But I encourage you to be here on Wednesday nights. I'll tell you, some of the, some of the best times, my favorite part, of the body of Christ coming together is on Wednesday nights. I just love uh, the Bible study, the in-depth study that we get to do together. And, and uh, if you're missing Wednesday nights, I encourage you to be a part of that. It's a huge blessing. Well, we're in week three of this series that we're calling uh, Being Like Jesus. Being Like Jesus. And what we're doing in this series, and uh, if you've been keeping up or you've been here in person We've been looking at the Beatitudes, and what the Beatitudes are is, here in Matthew chapter 5, the greatest message that has ever been recorded in the history of man, Jesus preached a message called the Sermon on the Mount. And basically, His introduction to this awesome sermon that we have available to us here in the Gospel of Matthew, He begins by giving us what we call the Beatitudes. And so we're, we're taking some time, we're spending some time looking at these Beatitudes, each individually. And today we're on the third one that is found there in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. And Jesus says this in presenting these Beatitudes to His followers and to us. He says, Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Let's pray together. Dear God, today we come before you and I pray today that you would give us understanding of what it means to be people who are meek. And not only to understand what it means to be people who are meek, but the blessing that is promised us living our lives like You, and living our lives for You. Help us today not only to understand it, but to embrace it and to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, and unless you're living under a rock, I think that it's probably more uh, to us right now than ever before. That for a lot of people in the United States, and I would say not just the United States, but for a lot of people in our world today, winning is all that really matters. Winning is all that really matters. We see people willing to do whatever it takes to win. Whether it be in the sports field, uh, where I've heard it said before, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, <laughs> right? Houston Astro, Astros have been trying a lot here lately. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. I even heard a coach say that one time. And so time and time again, people are caught doctoring the baseball, stealing signs, using video cameras to try to figure out what the other coach is saying or doing on the other sidelines. We see athletes who are sidelined and, 
and, and, and banned from sports for taking performance-enhancing drugs. What are they doing? Well, they're trying to do whatever it takes to gain an advantage, right? They're, they're trying to do whatever it takes to win because the mentality with so many in our world today is that winning is everything, and it's not in, just in sports. We do see it a lot in sports, but we see this winning at all cost uh, everywhere in our society today. Uh, we see winning at all cost in, in our politics today. People who are willing to say whatever it takes. People who are willing to do whatever it takes. People who are willing to spend whatever it takes. Why? Because winning is everything. In, in, it's an unwritten rule of American life from professional sports. Even you see it on the playground at our elementary schools. From the boardrooms of major corporations all the way down to the voting booths in America right now. The strong rule the weak. Only the strong will survive. Look out for number one, and the one with the most toys wins in the end. Folks, we live in a day and age today to where that is the culture. That is the norm. We, we live in a day today where people uh, push and fight to get their way to do whatever it takes to be on top. To be the winner. And friends, I'll just tell you today, that mentality, that culture, that mindset is the exact opposite of who we have been called to be as followers of Jesus Christ. It's the exact opposite of everything that we're supposed to be about and everything that we're supposed to stand for and the way that we live our lives. Being like Jesus is something that is totally different from the culture that you and I are living in today. Because our world says, our culture says, if you want to be happy, you have to win. You have to be the strongest. You have to be on top. And then we pick up our Bibles. We pick up our Bibles and Jesus preaches this famous sermon that begins with the very foundation of being a follower of Jesus. The very foundation of being a follower of Christ. And He gives us the building blocks that we're to build our lives upon. He gives us the attitudes. He gives us the characteristics of being Christ-like. Of being like Jesus. And I've said it before. I've said it many times. Yes, God loves you just the way you are. But He loves you enough not to leave you that way. And to leave you like that. God wants you to be like His Son, Jesus. And these Beatitudes, uh, they show us what it looks like to live like Jesus. To be like Jesus and the blessings that come with living our lives this way. 
and living our lives upon these foundations, the blessings of living our life like Jesus. Blessed are those who live like Jesus lived. And if you want to be truly happy, and if you want to really experience true joy in your life and have a peace in your life that Scripture talks about, that peace that passes all understanding. Friends, this is where it comes from. This is where it begins. This is the only place that it can truly be achieved. And, and so this joy and, and this happiness and this peace and this victory that we've been singing about this morning, all of this comes, the blessings that Jesus speaks of here as He goes through these Beatitudes. These things are not dependent upon your circumstances. These things are not dependent upon how much is in your bank account. These things are not dependent upon the health report that you may get. These things are not dependent upon the situation that you may find yourself in. And they won't, definitely, they will not be influenced by the things going on around you. And they will not be influenced by the world's view of winning or the world's view of losing. Friends, you will be the happiest and you will be the most joyful and you will be blessed when you're living your life being like Jesus. And Jesus says, blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. He never says here, blessed are the strongest. Blessed are those who can buy the most votes. He never says here, blessed are the winners. He doesn't say here, blessed are the CEOs of the company. He says, blessed are the meek. And honestly... None of us really like that idea of being meek because the idea of being meek in our society today and in American culture today means that we are weak. That the meek are, are weak. And if we're, we're weak, then people are just going to walk all over us just like a, a doormat. And so we really don't like the idea of being meek because we don't want people walking over us. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek. So what does it mean to be meek? What does that mean? Well, uh, a simple definition of meekness is this. Being gentle. Being humble. Being submissive. It's what it means to, to be meek. And, and you look at this definition today, you see where our lives, the foundation of our lives are supposed to be built upon gentleness and humbleness, and being submissive to others. And you look at this definition, and it looks nothing like what we see in America today. It looks nothing like the culture that we live in. It's supposed to not look like the culture that we live in. And in order to understand meekness today, from a biblical perspective, instead of American perspective... We have to see what the Bible says about meekness, right? Because, friend, as Christians, the Bible must be what we base everything in our lives on and not what the culture says we must base our lives on. We must base our lives on 
the truth of God's Word. And so we look at God's Word today to see what it means to, to be meek. And so I'll give you a little Greek lesson this morning. This word meek comes from the Greek word prouse. And this word prouse, this term prouse, is only used in the New Testament four times. We see it in the, uh, the New Testament four different times. And here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, where it's used here, it's the only time that we actually see it translated to the English language as meek. The other times in Scripture, it's translated as gentle. So let's look at the three other times where this appears in the New Testament real quickly this morning. One is found, the first is found in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. Peter is speaking to the fact that women uh, should focus less on their outward appearance in order to be attractive. Okay, And he says this, Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. All right, so Prouse is used there to describe being gentle and quiet in spirit. Prouse is also used in Matthew 21, verse 5, which is actually a quote that's taken from the Old Testament from the prophet Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. But here's the deal. The Jews were expecting this Messiah. When Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, they were expecting this Messiah to ride into town, to come into Jerusalem as this great and mighty conquering hero. This is what they expected, that the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem as this mighty warrior with great power that would set them free from the Romans, all right? However, we know that's not how the Messiah came into Jerusalem. At Jesus' triumphant entry into the city, it says, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. And then also in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29, we see Jesus use this Greek term prouse here saying, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is saying continually, blessed are the meek, blessed are the gentle, Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the submissive. Align yourselves with my character. Align yourselves with my personality. Align yourself with me. And you will find rest for your souls. There is great value, Jesus says, in being like Him. Great value. And again, these beatitudes, they are the building blocks of our faith, of being a Christian. And the first one that we saw in week one, the first beatitude or attitude, if you will, of a follower of Christ was to be poor in spirit. And we saw that to be poor in spirit means that we die to self through brokenness, through humility. There it is again. And through total, total dependence 
on God. The second beatitude or attitude was uh, those who mourn, those whose hearts are broken over their personal sin, and not just over their personal sin, but their hearts are broken for the things that breaks the heart of God. And that's all the sin uh, that is happening in, in the world. And then this third beatitude builds upon that attitude of a follower of Christ as being meek. And being meek, again, gentle, humble, being submissive. What does it mean to be submissive? To let Jesus direct your life. Jesus to guide you. Surrender to Him and let Him reign on the throne of your heart. Let Him uh, be in, in, in control. But friends, meekness is not the American idea of being weak. That's not what it is. Meekness is simply submitting yourself, submitting your strength, submitting your will uh, to Jesus. Peter gives a lesson to ladies here of what real beauty is, of what it, what it truly means to, to be attractive. The world tells our young girls and our ladies what? Well, you've got to dress a certain way in order to be beautiful. You've got to have a certain look about you in order to be attractive and, and be beautiful. You've got to dress a certain way in order to be a successful woman uh, in the world today. And if you'll buy the right clothes, and if you'll wear the right makeup, and if you'll get this tucked, and that tucked, and this stretched, and this Botoxed, Right then, then you, 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 will, you will be seen as beautiful if you have this appearance. You will be beautiful. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Which means let, let God control your life. Let God control uh, your inner self. Dress yourself with that righteousness that we sang about earlier. And then you will have a beauty that no one can take away from you. You will have a beauty that everyone will be drawn to and, and attracted to. Uh, and, and, and age and wrinkles and gray hair will not be able to take uh, this away from you. You let God take control of you. You let God take care of, uh, of your take control of your attitude. You let God take control of your personality. You let God control you and you will forever be beautiful because you will look like Him and He is beautiful. And men, the same lesson can apply to us today. Men often think that only the strong will be successful. Only the strong will survive. We think that we've got to be the toughest. We think that we've got to be the strongest. We, we, we think that, that we can never give in and that we've got to be successful and we've got to be the best at everything that we do. We are so competitive. <laughs> so competitive. Many men today are living their lives thinking that only the strong survive and so they get out of bed every single day and they try harder and they work harder and they work more hours trying to be strong trying to be better trying to be the best trying to win but Jesus says 
Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who submit and surrender their strength to God because it's those men who will never be beaten down. It's those men who will never be defeated by the world. Jesus, think about it, y'all. Jesus had more strength and more power than any man to ever walk on the face of this earth. But He didn't act like it. He was gentle. He was humble. He was meek. And I want you to think about what He did. The most powerful and the strongest man to ever walk on the face of the earth submitted and surrendered His will, surrendered His power to His heavenly Father. He was submissive to His Father. And when He was arrested, when He was beaten, and when He was being accused, He didn't fight back. He, he didn't resist. He, he was nailed to a cross. And we sang a song all the time when I was a kid. He could have called 10,000 angels. He had access to stop it all, to end it all. For it not to happen. But he didn't. He was submissive to his Father's will. He surrendered his strength and his power and his will to his Father. And Jesus' response to all of that was simple. He was meek and he was humble. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He submitted his will. And his strength to God. Think about it like this this morning. This morning, early service, I had some help because the Ibergs were here. And uh, I'm not going to stand up here today and claim to know, uh, be the know all uh, about horses this morning, but I just want you to think about horses uh, for a minute. Uh, I don't know a lot about horses, but one thing that I do know about horses is this. They're bigger and stronger than I am. I mean, would you agree? Unless you're talking about those new little miniature horses that they have out, and I'm pretty sure they're probably still stronger than me. All right? But a horse is bigger and is stronger than a man. And I confirmed with this with Craig this morning because he's broke a lot of wild horses, but a wild horse doesn't want to be controlled by a man. Right? It, will, it will aggressively resist any attempt to try to put a bridle on it or to put a saddle on it. It will fight you. And, 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 and you think about what a horse trainer does when they begin to approach one of these wild horses. Because think about it, the trainer again is much smaller and much weaker than this horse is that they're wanting to train or they're wanting to break. But a trainer begins by using a process to try to tame a horse. Maybe first uh, thing that they may do is just simply put a rope around its neck. And just let it drag the, the, the rope around, getting used to it having something around its neck. Uh, one of the other things that someone might do trying to break or tame a horse would be just to simply lay a light blanket 
over its back. And, and, and so the trainer begins this process that it goes through to try to tame this horse. And before long, that rider is sitting on top of that horse in a saddle with reins in his hand, controlling everywhere that horse goes and everything that that horse does. And, and when that wild horse is broken... Did it all of a sudden become weaker? No. It didn't become weaker than that man that's now sitting on top of it and, and controlling it. it is, the ha is the horse now useless because it's now gentle and being controlled? Absolutely not. It's probably more useful now than it ever was before. That horse is, is just as strong now as, as it ever was. But the strength of that horse is now under submission of the rider. The horse is bigger and stronger, right? But now that strength is being controlled and used for something good and useful by the trainer. Friends, that's, that's what meekness is. It's surrendering our will, surrendering our strength, uh, surrendering what little power that we have or we think we have, surrendering that to the ultimate trainer, surrendering that to our heavenly Father, and we give God the reins of our life and we trust Him to guide our footsteps. We trust Him to guide us down the paths that He would have us to go. And not only that, but sometimes when necessary, to pull back on those reins and stop us in our tracks to keep us from harm or keep us from going somewhere that we shouldn't go. Friends, meek is not weak. Meek is being controlled by an almighty God. It's being controlled by someone who knows so much more, who is so much more powerful. It's being controlled by God. So that's what meekness is. So what is the purpose of being meek? Or what should it accomplish in our lives? What is the blessing that goes along with being Meek. Well, again, I want to look at this beatitude this morning in the paraphrased version of the message because I, I believe it gives us a, a great definition of what it means here. Peterson paraphrases it like this in Matthew 5, 5 from the message. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. That's it in a nutshell. This is the only beatitude, if I'm not mistaken, that has a really a, a temporary blessing with it when it says they will receive the earth. What it's speaking to here, if you will live your life in this manner while you're here on this earth, then you're going to be a proud owner of everything that can't be bought. Right? And, and here's the deal. Meekness, this submitted strength, this surrendering our will. Friends, when He is in control, it gives you a whole new perspective on life. It gives you a whole new perspective about where you are going. You are content with who you are because you're content with whose you are and you're content with who's got the reins. Huh? 
Wouldn't we like to have some contentment in our lives and in our family today? Man, we can have that in knowing that He has the reins and I'm not just out there running wild. Uh, it gives you a whole new perspective in life to surrender your will, your strength, and what little power you have uh, to Him. That's the blessing. That's the joy of living that we receive from being like Jesus and being submissive to and being controlled by the Father. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And that's the proud, the, the, the moment when you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. That's so good. And that's so true. The most important things in life are things that you can't buy. The, the most important things in life are not things that you can win. The victory only comes through the Lord and Him reigning and being in control of our lives. And friends, here's the deal. This is not determined by our circumstances. Again, uh, regardless of how you may be treated by other people, regardless of how other people may treat you or what the circumstances that you may find your life in right now, you can know today that there is victory in Him. You can know today that you will not <clears throat> and cannot be defeated. Here's something else that, that should give us hope and, and, and happiness and, and, and peace today. You can know today that living your life the way that Jesus asked us to live our life, you are going to receive an inheritance. He is going to guide you as He leads you to a place where ultimately you are going to receive an inheritance that no one can take away from you. You're going to receive an inheritance from the King of Kings that will make you richer than anybody that ever walked on the face of this earth. If you allow Him to control you and lead you and guide you, this is the promise that He's leading you to. Amen? Wow. You are the winner that everybody longs to be, that everybody is fighting to be, that everybody is training to be. That everybody is doing whatever they can do in their own physical strength with their own bank accounts trying to achieve. You achieve that by letting Him lead you where He wants to lead you. That's the victory. That's the winner's circle right there. And you cannot and you will not be defeated. But here's the deal. Your confidence is not in you. And a lot of us think that we can handle it. Your confidence is not in you, but instead your confidence is in your God, the one who you have given the reins and who, oh, by the way, has provided for you and given you everything that you need right now and is leading you into an inheritance that no one can take away from you. Can I ask you this morning, where, right now in your life, where, where do you place your confidence? Where do you place your confidence? Where do you, what do you trust? 
What do you brag about? Or what do you boast about? Or, or, or what, do you, what, what do you trust is going to help you in your life? Well, I would argue, based on God's Word, that until you are meek like Jesus, until your strength is submitted to God, your confidence isn't really in Him. As long as you're trying to make all the decisions and make all the calls and you're still trying to, to, to win and you're still trying to be successful and you're still trying harder and harder and harder in your own strength, then your confidence is really not in God because you're still trusting your own strength and your own education and your own knowledge and your own abilities. Paul said this and. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, because he got this. He fully understood this. It's not about our strength. He said, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. <laughs> I, I delight in insults. Insult me. That's awesome, right? That's what Paul's saying. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, He is in control, and when He is in control, the strongest man, the strongest force, the strongest being that was ever in this world and in our universe is leading me and guiding me. When I am weak, then I am strong. And friends, can I just tell you today, this isn't a one-time event. This isn't something that you get when uh, you just automatically uh, get this and achieve this. Uh, when you become a, a follower of Christ, that's when the process begins. Again, remember, breaking the horse is a process. You just uh, don't do it by snapping your fingers. And it's not going to just happen in your life by snapping your fingers. It doesn't happen overnight. It must be. Don't miss this. It must be developed daily. Daily, we must die to self. Daily, we must choose humility. Daily, we must be totally dependent upon God. Friends, every single day. That's why it is so important. That is why we encourage you. When, when you get out of bed in the morning and you start getting ready, boy, the first thing that you ought to make time for is to spend time with God. Because let me tell you something. If this is a daily process and daily I need to ask Him to humble me and daily I need to ask Him to help me to be gentle and, and daily I need to die to self and daily I need to come before Him and ask Him to be in control, how much good is it going to do me if I I need that daily if I'm asking for it at the end of the day. <laughs> I need that help starting the day. I need that help before I pull out of here on Highway 65 with all you crazy people. Huh? I need that starting my day. I need to say, God, today I need you to be in control. I, I need you to, to make me gentle. I need you to make me humble. I need you to help me see what you want me to see. I need you to help me hear what you want me to hear. I need you to be in control of today because I know based on yesterday, this day is going to try to trip me up. Right? We need it daily, every single day, surrendering control, surrendering our will to the Father 
That's submissive strength. That's being submissive. Why daily? Because at any given moment, and you know this, Satan's going to try to trip you up. At any given moment, you are going to be tested. And if we don't daily submit ourselves and submit our strength to the Lord, then we'll be tempted. Here's what we'll be tempted to do. And I know this because I've done this. We'll be tempted to try to face those tests, face those temptations, face those situations, face those grouchy people at the office. Not that there's any in our office. Well, they would say I'm the grouchy one in the office. But when we face those people, if we try to do that in our own strength, and those tests and those trials, friends, we're not going to win. <laughs> we're not going to beat that. And so, if we don't daily submit ourselves and our strength to God, then we'll be tempted to handle things that come at us all day long in our own strength. And that hardly ever ends well. It hardly ever ends well. When we do it in our own strength and our own words, and our own thoughts. Not only does it hardly ever end well, but it hardly ever brings glory to God. Meekness, honestly, can only be demonstrated through trials. Meekness can really only be demonstrated through adversity. Until you faced a difficult situation or problem, it's easy to say that I've submitted my will to Christ. It's easy to say when things are going great that I've submitted my strength to God. Until you're challenged or harassed by that person who has a way of getting under your skin. Y'all know who I'm talking about. There's that somebody that just gets under your skin. And until that happens, it's easy to appear gentle. But when they begin to hammer us, and they begin to get under our skin. Listen, many of us can easily get our feathers ruffled, right? When someone offends us or things don't go our way. But when you are meek, when you are meek, Boy, it changes all that. When you're meek, someone can light your fuse and you won't blow up. <laughs> Things may not go like you had planned, but yet you remain calm because you're reminded of the one who has the reins and where he's leading you and how much he loves you. And He wants only good for you. And He says, let me lead you down these paths. It's strength. It's the most powerful strength that you will ever have in your life when God has the reins. When God is in control. These Beatitudes are... Again, they're just building blocks. 
They're just the foundation for us to live our lives like Jesus, being like Jesus in our attitudes, being like Jesus in our character. And the promise is blessing. <laughs> the promise is blessing that will bring this true joy and this true happiness and, and this true peace. It's really the only place that we can get it. And it's the only place that it comes from. Some of you that are here today, you may still be working on this foundation, this very, very important foundation. And, and, and you've not got all the, the blocks put in, in the right places yet. And I would just say this morning that if the foundation of your life, the foundation that you're living your life on today is not being like Jesus, then I'd be willing to say you probably don't have much joy in your life right now. Because that's where it comes from. It comes from living your life and building your life upon these things that Jesus is trying to teach us here. Your strength. Your will, your life must be completely surrendered to God. Giving Him the reins over it all. This morning you may have walked in here saying that you trust God. But in all reality you've been trusting your own strength. You've been trusting your own knowledge. You've been trusting your own devices to try to figure it out, to try to get it right, to try to fix whatever's broken. Today, He's saying to you and He's saying to me, I want it all. Submit your strength to me today. Submit your will to me today. Submit your complete life to me today and I will lead you and I will guide you and you will have a power available to you that you've never had or experienced before in your life blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth and that's the moment you find yourself a proud owner of everything that money can't buy. My prayer is that that will be true of every single one of us today, including me, that we will submit it all to God and find ourselves proud owners of everything that money cannot buy and this morning I want to close with a time of prayer and I invite you to come today if God's spoken to your heart you come right now you go ahead and make your way to this altar but I invite you to come and pray or maybe pray over a situation but this morning as we close together I want us to join together because our governor a Christian man this week has called our state to prayer. Because guys, 
he's seeing and he's knowing that we are not in control. We're not controlling this pandemic. We're not controlling people's health. We truly have no control. But we know the one who is in control. And so our governor has called our state to prayer today. And he says this, and I quote, Our Kansans have long relied on the power of prayer during times of distress. I have proclaimed this Sunday as a day of voluntary prayer in Arkansas regarding the challenges that we face and that we recognize our dependence on a sovereign and powerful God. Come this morning if you would like to join us in prayer or just join us right there in your seat. But let's join together this morning as we join our Kansans and people all around this world today humbling ourselves at the throne of a loving God. He's where our hope is. Let's approach Him today. God, we sense your powerful presence. Here in this building today. And we've had a beautiful reminder today of your desires, your desire for us, and the blessing that can and will, it's promised to us, will come to our lives if we'll live our lives and base our lives on these things that your word teaches, none of it is negotiable. Um, none of it can be done in our own strength or in our own power, and we can't manipulate you to get you to do what we want you to do. Because if we let you do what you want to do, it will be perfect. It will be exactly what we need. God, this morning we come before you and we proclaim our trust for you. We sang about it earlier. <laughs> we sang about this victory that can come. And we love to sing about victory because we love to win. People want to win. But God, they're trying to win at all cost. And it's costing people their souls. God, today I pray that as your people, the people of God, we would place our hope and our trust in you. And God, that we would quit fighting it. We would give you the reins and let you be in control because you are a sovereign God who reigns. So we give you the reins of our life 
and ask you to reign upon our hearts today. To reign over this church today. To reign over our families today. God, we need your help. Every single day, I'm contacted by someone who is facing tragedy and facing a test and going through difficult situations, whether it be health, whether it be the marriage, whether it be a situation in the family or finances. God, we can trust you. Why don't we get that? Why don't we just do that? Trust you and let you lead us where you would have us to go. God, today we live in a world of people who are stressed out. People who are depressed. People who are battling their health. We've got medical workers and doctors and nurses and people in healthcare who are exhausted trying to bring healing to people and comfort to people and trying to keep people alive today. God, we need you. We desperately need you. COVID and its effects are impacting our families and impacting our community and impacting this entire world today. It's impacting our businesses. It's impacting our families. People are arguing over an illness and the right way to treat it and the right way to approach it. God, help us to approach everything with you out front. Help us to approach this pandemic. Help us to approach our neighbors. Help us to approach the ballot box. Putting you first, God, because our hope is only in you. You are the great one. You are the mighty one. You are the one that we can count on when we can't count on anyone else. And God is the people of our great state and we're a, we're a proud people. We're a proud state. But God, we have to humble ourselves. We must be broken. And humble ourselves before you. God, I pray that you would hear the cries of your people. We desperately need you. I desperately need you. I thank you for what you're doing today. And God, I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead. Because I believe with all my heart that we're going to see a victory. And there's some people that walked in here today that needed to hear that. And needed to be reminded of that. I needed to be reminded of that. So God, we come before you with confidence. As we ask for peace. And we ask for healing throughout our state this nation and our world and it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we ask these things amen God bless you guys I, I love you more than you will ever know and I hope you have a great week I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night